What's up, Sitwits? Question, where do you keep your race medals? If you're like most people, they're tangled up in a shoebox somewhere or buried in a closet. Well, Kudos encourages you to bring those keepsakes out into the open with a new race medal display case that doubles as a coaster. And launching November 1st, the Kudos Coaster Plus allows you to preserve and display your race medals while you enjoy some coffee or a nice cold beverage. So today's episode of the Sidious Mag Podcast on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network is brought to you by Kudos. We were able to get an early peek at the Kudos Coaster Plus when we were in Chicago for the marathon, and I got to say, it's pretty cool. It comes with a removable top so you can switch out the metals as you collect more, and it has six different colored foam inserts so you can match the background with the colors of your metal. I've actually got my New York City one out on a coaster at home, and I'm going to be moving into a new apartment pretty soon. And I'm looking forward to using six of them to display the six marathon major coasters. I'm at five right now, but I'm getting there. But I know that's how I'm going to show them off. So they're more compact and less expensive than display cases or wall-mounted frames. The Kudos Coaster Plus allows you to show your passion for running in a functional and simple way. So to learn more about the Kudos Coaster Plus, click the link in the show notes or on the banner on SidiousMag.com. And if you make a purchase, part of the sales come back to Sidious Mag so we can continue to keep churning out the running-focused content that you enjoy. So check it out, and kudos to you. My guest for today's show is a guest that I was really excited to land an interview with after his run at the Toronto Waterfront Marathon, which also served as the Canadian Marathon Championships. It is Cam Levins. He was an Olympian for Canada at the 2012 Summer Games in London. He was the 2012 Bowerman Award winner. He ran for the Nike Oregon Project for some time, and now he's sponsored by Hoka Oneone. Cam Levins made his marathon debut on October 21st, and you know, on his first try, broke Jerome Drayton's 43-year-old Canadian men's marathon record and ran 209.25. It was obliterated. It was a 44-second improvement on the previous national record. So we talk a little bit about that race. Um, Cam is someone who is famous for running some crazy high mileage. He is back to those old ways in some way. And so we get into a little bit of those details as well. Um, So is he done on the track? Find out in the interview and much more. So I think you guys will definitely find this conversation with Cam Levin's pretty interesting. So let's start the show. Now we welcome on the new Canadian national record holder in the marathon, Cam Levins. Cam, you're fresh off a cruise, I believe it was, after uh, your little break, I guess, from the race. So first question to all my guests is, how are the legs feeling right now? Well, thanks for having me on. Um, Better now, actually. I probably could go out and run, and I'm just making sure I take it as easy as I can, you know, so I'm fully recovered from this marathon, but yeah, like first couple days on the cruise stairs were a major issue. I definitely didn't do too much. Um, but you know, got some snorkeling in, got in actually ice skating on the days too, on the, uh, on the cruise line. Yeah, I know they had, they have a rink, so that was cool, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm doing pretty well now. I think better than I thought I would. Uh, but yeah, give myself another few days before I start up running again. 
Nice. So I guess like we'll, we'll talk about the perform the the marathon and how well it went for you. And so in your Instagram post that you shared, you called it a decade in the making. So has the marathon been in your mind for that long? Because if you would have asked any one of us, kind of like what is Cam Levins's you know distance for years? I think a lot of people would have guessed he's going to be really good at the marathon. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that statement is uh, more akin to that I've been running a lot of mileage for a long time. <laughs> and it's kind of just like the natural progression, I think, would be run a good marathon off what I've been doing for the last 10 years of training. You know, it's been a build up to that moment, I think. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of different changes, specific things in the actual marathon build, but I think a lot of what I've done over the years was building me to hopefully be a very good marathoner beyond my debut as well. Yeah. So I'm going to pepper in a couple questions that Malcolm Gladwell passed along because uh, he is a huge fan of yours. And on a couple runs that I've gone with, your name has come up and he uh, you know, rants about just how you're one of his favorite runners. So I guess his first question is, I mean, do you think you waited too long to get into the marathon or is this the, the right time? Oh, um, I don't know. I, I think I'd be more worried about it if I didn't have sort of an immediate success in it. I mean, maybe I, I ran far below my potential on this first one, but I, I think if, if it's not going to take me a few ones to get used to running the marathon, uh, like I potentially expected, you know, I, I didn't necessarily know that my first one was going to be okay. Cause I've seen a lot of people struggle in their immediate one. But if I have that sort of natural affinity to it to some extent. I think I'll be okay at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't necessarily going to be a lot of learning years with it. Um, that being said, I don't know whether that's a certainty or not, but um, I enjoyed my time on the track and I'm glad I spent all the time there that I have. And perhaps I'm not even done with it. Mm-hmm. And uh the last couple of years coming back from surgery, I mean, I don't think I really had the choice to try the marathon any earlier from that extent. Um, Definitely. So, yeah, I, I think it's kind of fit in where it has. Um, and I can't really see it going any other way at this point. Yeah. And so I guess his follow up to that was like, would you call this, I guess, like your your natural distance? It felt really comfortable. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I had another event that's felt so easy to step into. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I have the looking back at the race now as well. I, I tend to think that this is the right one for me, uh, but I've had success at other distances as well. So who knows? I just, this seems great for where I am right now and I'm looking forward to doing more of it. Yeah. You mentioned, I guess, in the Instagram caption, you, I think, shouted out, I think it was, like, Ryan Vale and Reed Coolstat for, I guess, shedding some advice, like, on the marathon. What was some of that advice? Because Gladwell is also kind of curious, like, how did you, I guess, in retrospect, did you play this race out exactly as how you wanted to plan? And, like, what were, how were you gaming those last six miles? Um, yeah, so... Uh, I reached out mostly to Ryan and a bit Reed 
uh, in regards to um, my taper. This is kind of what I was mostly concerned about. I was entering the last couple of weeks of it, and I was just kind of nervous about doing potentially too little or too much and trying to find that balance. I, I think ultimately a lot of that's going to come down to experience. And, I mean, maybe I got it right this time, and I'm fine for the future forever. You know, maybe I lucked out in that regard. But uh, that that was... I think predominantly what I was reaching out to them about um, and Ryan, I've just trained with him the last couple of years a lot. And so I, he, we've chatted about the marathon a good amount in that, in that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I would say beyond that, um, a lot of my information uh, came from, uh, Trent Stillingworth. Mm-hmm. He's been just like a huge resource for stepping into the marathon from a fueling standpoint and just getting information about training as well. You know, it's an t- entirely new experience for uh, my coach, Eric Hool and I, and we kind of know what works for me as an athlete, but there's a lot of things that I need to do differently entering the marathon as well. Um, that being said, what was the second half of your question? Again? Well, the, it, it's with the last six miles, I guess. Like, okay, yeah, sorry. No, uh, I was just, I got a little lost in my train of thought there. Yeah. No, the last uh, six miles, well, the race itself, um, I was just planning on sort of sticking on my pacers and just getting as far into the race as I could without um, uh, having to sort of take it on myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I didn't know what that was going to be like. But uh, that being said, they, they did a great job. They um, got me through half marathon exactly where I wanted to be. Um, slowed a little bit through 20 to 30K. I was still feeling good at that point, but I mean, it's my fault for not keeping track of what the pace was at that point. I was just running along. Um, and then, yeah, entering the last six miles, I was just like, I feel good. And, I, you know, I think I can still pace this out well, but push it in. And I just really just wanted to finish having known that I'd given everything that I had. And I still felt good when I reached 30 K. Um, that being said, the last eight K was definitely still hard. You know, I still hit that point where it was, uh, difficult, but I, it wasn't something that surprised me. It was, I got there and I was like, I've, I felt this before in practice, you know, in training and in races. So this isn't, wasn't really a new experience. Like I thought it was going to be, Mm-hmm. It made me quite anxious entering the marathon, not knowing what the last 10K was going to be be like. So I got to that point and I was like, I, I'm not afraid of this. I know what this feeling is. And that gave me a lot of confidence as well. So let's take, I guess, a couple steps back. And I guess, when did you officially, I guess, like commit to like, I'm going to run a fall marathon. And then what was the decision-making process like to run the Canadian national championships, as opposed to giving something like a Chicago or a New York, a try. Um, I decided back in May of this year, actually. And I, I've thought for a lot of years that I wanted to debut in 2018 originally because I was like, it's a year without a world championship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was thinking, okay, like, you know, I'm, I'm doing my track career. I'll be able to step away from that. Excuse me. Um, and be able to attempt a marathon and see how it goes. And, you know, if I have trouble with it, I can always step back to the track. My career went a little bit differently than I had planned years ago. Um, you know, I would, I wasn't in a position to be making the world championships in previous years coming off surgery. And, um, 
my mindset became more, this marathon training is easier to handle on my ankle post-surgery and um, just as I tried a couple track races, uh, end of April, I realized I didn't have any fire racing on the track anymore. At least at this point in my career, I went, I just totally went through the motions in the races and, uh, just didn't feel like I was racing. You know, I was just like, I guess I'm finished with this for now. This is not how my half marathons felt, uh, in the couple that I did, uh, leading up to those track races as well. Um, it just felt right in a lot of ways to move to the marathon. The training felt great, especially as I got into it more. It's just like, I, I've really enjoyed it. I, I'm super, super into that now. Uh, and Toronto itself, speaking to racing in Canada, I, I've always wanted to make my debut in Canada. Um, I, I haven't raced in Canada very much in my career, at least professionally. Um, Besides national championships, I mean, I, I can't think of a race besides uh, Toronto here that I've just chosen to not do like outside of that reasoning. You know, I, I, I chose Toronto not knowing that it was going to be the marathon national championships. <laughs> uh, I went there because I knew it was going to be a, potentially a good race. Uh, I'd have my, I mean, it's a big moment in my career to make a debut in a marathon. Mm-hmm. That's something I wanted to share with Canadian fans and like, it's a moment that'll only ever happen once in my career. And I expect to be racing other places besides Toronto in the future. Um, But I'll always, I'll always have that. I'll always have that moment. And it ended up being historic one in my career uh, for many reasons. And, uh, you know, I hope Canadian distance running and uh, I'm so glad. I'm glad that this one I chose to do beforehand. And I'm even more so glad now after the fact. Yeah, and so Gladwell kind of wants to, I guess, get a little bit more context into just, uh, you know, how fast is that course? And in your opinion, I guess, what would the same of same effort have yielded, you know, maybe out of Berlin or in Amsterdam where it is just, you know, a pancake? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I didn't think I knew um, the difficulty of Toronto until I was uh, – kind of in that last 10 K and realized, wow, you know, this is, this is a bit of a climb and we're going against the wind and like one of the sections of the race where you're most tired. And so I I think, I think for me, um, a few different things could have made it go faster, but I was also prepared to take on those hills well too. And it wasn't a super hilly, hilly race. Ultimately, I think what really played against the race was just the temperature um, and just the way the wind was sort of, uh, yeah, the way the wind was going in the race, you know, it, it was fortunate that it was kind of at our side at our back for a lot of the race, but in the most difficult or tired section of the race, you had to face it coming home. Mm-hmm. I think, um, especially for how hard I was running and I felt like I was really moving. I didn't really gain back loads of time still, even, uh, like I'm like I was doing run the hardest I had been in the race, and it felt like sort of moving the fastest. And I gained back, back some time, but uh, I I can't speak to how much time. But I'm certain. I mean, I know there are faster courses. I, I know I could go faster in the future, even in that same level of fitness. Definitely. I'll, 
yeah. I mean, I also think in the future I'll be more fit still. I mean, my preparation was good for this race. There's a lot of things that could have went better. Um, so I, you know, it's just, it's a lot of hypotheticals, I think is what it comes down to. And, um, yeah, it's a lot of revisionist history as you, <laughs> yeah, right. You're never, you're never going to have that perfect race. You're never gonna have those perfect conditions. People can always look at your best performance and be like, Oh, what if, you know, these things went right or were better. Just that, that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, your chances yeah, I, I suppose I say chances are you're never going to see that at any point in your career. There's always going to be something like this could have went differently. You could have went faster because of that. I don't think I've seen the perfect race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I guess I guess a little bit more Canadian history. Uh, Gladwell wanted to know, I guess, had you ever met Jerome Drayton, I guess, uh, in recent years? And, you know, what's, I guess, your appreci- appreciation level for him? Because the, the record stood for so long. And he says it was it was the fifth fastest in history at the time. Yeah, I, I think it's a very fair assessment. Um, I, I hadn't met him before the race. I actually got to speak to him uh, over the weekend. Um, so, yeah, a week after the race. And I would have actually spoken to him earlier if I didn't go on a cruise immediately and was out of cell service. But, uh, yeah, he's a really interesting, really nice guy. And, um, yeah, I mean, at that, I mean, he won the Boston Marathon back at that time. He won in Fukuoka a bunch. He was ranked as one of the top marathoners in the world for a lot of years. I mean, I think he was first, I want to say in 1969 and then, um, second, a couple times, fifth or sixth, another year, uh, sixth at the Olympics while being ill, you know, it just, he, he accomplished a lot in his career. And, um, I think not that the record itself is one that was incredibly fast for today's period of time, but I mean, it lasted for a long time because it was set by a really strong athlete and you don't mm-hmm. see athletes like that come around, you know, just every generation. You know, that Very, very talented guy, I guess I just what I should speak to. And it's interesting even hearing his training um, because like I, I wonder what he could do with today's standard of training and things as well. And just knowing more because it's, it was very impressive what he did um, without the science, I suppose, and technology of today. Oh, definitely. Like you can always play those head to head games. Like what if, you know, it's like we had Bill Rogers versus, you know, Rupp at in, in Boston, like would it have been the same and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just a game runners can play on long runs and just have that debate the entire time. Um, So I guess kind of going back to the training for this, this race, um, for years, we heard of you as, you know, such a high mileage guy. Did you revert back to those old ways? Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. The last couple of weeks leading up to um, this marathon, I definitely felt like the athlete that I was as the collegiate. I think I've really fallen back into that same sort of training style and just able to handle a similar training structure. Uh, it's, not exactly the same. There's definitely like track workouts that I wouldn't be able to do now, but I, I was doing tempos and long runs and workouts just based on a, a, like that sort of concept that I couldn't have touched at any point in my career up to this point. So it's like the marathon is so different that or at least different enough that um, you can do workouts that's 
are great and untouchable at different times of your career, but it's like, it's just so hard to directly compare fitness and know, uh, it's like, is this the best I am in my, in my career? I, I don't know. It's just, it's different. It's, it's very different. Um, but yeah, I've, I'm, I mean, I'm back to doing three runs a day, lots of days, uh, and up to 30 miles. I, I, I don't, I'm trying not to keep track of my weekly mileage so much anymore because I like taking it day by day and just being able to listen to my body better. Um, I think I got into trouble uh, in the first place and end up having surgery potentially in part because of that. Um, you know, getting concerned about how much I'm running and now it's kind of like, if I feel good on this day, I'll run lots. If I don't, I'll back off a lot and whatever the end of the week ends up being is fine. I know I'm running lots. <laughs> I don't really have to be worried about a number so much. Um, so yeah, it, it's similar and it's different. Uh, and I think I've used a lot of what I've learned in the Oregon project as well to uh, improve my training style and what I'm doing. And yeah, I, I, everything that I've gone through, I think I'm a better athlete for ultimately. And I think that's the approach anybody has to take as well is uh, when you go through rough times, you need to accept that you can be a better athlete because of it. Um, you know, anything, everything that happens uh, can be made to make you better. I believe that. So I guess what were some of the big lessons that you took away from the years with the Oregon Project? Because, I mean, for it seemed like there were always just workouts that harped on speed a lot and you did run very well on the track indoors and outdoors in those years. And I mean, if I was going back to the track, I would do a lot of stuff similarly still. Um, I think the biggest thing I take out of the Oregon project that I can just apply to like any part of my training, no matter what event I do is just their focus on weightlifting and just full body strengthening. Like, the idea of trying to equalize um, sort of like both sides of your musculature. I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it just to make sure so you're running more balanced and decreasing injury risk. It's such it's like, it's something that I see with athletes all over the world. Now, you know, every professional seems to be taking that into account. And that's something that I don't know if I would have discovered if I didn't become a part of the Oregon project. And I mean, you can speak, how you want to workouts, you know, everybody has their thing. And, um, from what I've seen, a lot of that ends up being similar between groups. You know, I mean, training hard is training hard, uh, ultimately. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of little things that I don't think I would have, um, taken into account without joining a professional group like that. Now, it was still a couple of years back, but you were doing a bunch of workouts with, you know, Galen and Mo, and uh, now I guess both those guys have marathon major victories under their belts. And so were there ever conversations that you guys had maybe on a long run or during a workout where you guys mentioned the marathon and it's as like something down the road where the three of you had your eyes on? I mean, and honestly, not really. <laughs> I, uh, I'd like to have a story for you, but not, not particularly. I think um, at the time we were focused on what we were doing. We we're in the process of that. And, you know, sometimes it's dangerous to 
um, be thinking too far ahead and like thinking of the result of something without um, like having actually going through the process and the work of it. And I mean, I, I think if we had talked about it, I would be surprised if none of us had a certain excitement involved with the marathon at some point, but uh, yeah, I think all three of us wanted to be successful track athletes. I mean, I wanted to be successful in whatever, um, whatever we chose to do. Definitely. Uh, I mean, that's, that's me putting words in their mouth, but I, I would be surprised if they thought otherwise. Right. And so during that time, I guess, where would you, I guess, like, or how would you describe the state of Canadian long distance running on the track? Because now it's kind of like really taken off with Mohamed and I guess like the next generation with like a Rory Linkletter also faring very well. Uh, Justin Knight. Justin obviously. Knight, exactly. I can't and forget him. The Instablaze as well. Yeah, yeah. there's all sorts of guys, yeah. So it's like really taken off in the last like three, three or four years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think that's what happens with great performances is you tend to see people follow into that event. And I mean, with the way Muhammad Ahmed is running, you know, I, I would hope other athletes would see it and be like, like you know, I, I want to, you know, he, he sets a new standard for what Canadian running needs to, uh, like, compete at a high level, I guess. And I mean, to really stand a better chance of making teams you need to be able to follow what Mo's doing too. I mean, they, otherwise he's just taking up the spot that like you can't even compete against if you can't try and chase the level he's at. Um, like, and I don't think any athlete just wants to concede like, okay, this person's going to be better than me. It's like, mm-hmm. no, you see someone compete well and you want to be that good as well. You have to believe that too. Yeah. So would it be, would the, the most stacked race be like a 5k between and assuming everyone is in their prime and some of these guys maybe haven't hit their prime. Would it be like a 5k between you, Justin, uh, I guess Mo and I guess like Ben Flanagan and Rory Linklater. Is that the all time, like, like the highest caliber race of 5k? I, I think the 5k is kind of just a fair event, um, for most of the guys. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say probably five or maybe even ten with those guys. I mean, a lot of the success the athletes you're talking about are in the 10K still. Um, I mean, besides, I mean, I don't know. I guess Justin's probably still had more success in the five versus the ten. But, I mean, like, just speaking across the board, like, Rory, obviously very strong in the 10K at NCAAs. Ben won the 10K. Um, Mo obviously, has a very good 5K and 10K time. I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's probably fair to say that. Um, there's also, there's just been so many good 5K, 10K runners still in Canadian history. Oh, that definitely. Through other people. Like, I don't know if it's necessarily fair to say that would be the most stacked in Canadian history kind of thing. But I think right now, it's probably the most depth we've seen in those events at any point. I think it's probably fair to say, uh, mm-hmm. at least for many years. You'd have to maybe reach back to like the '80s, maybe to see that kind of depth, and I don't, I don't even know still. Um, but yeah, those those guys are running great. That'd be a fun race. Uh, How would you try and win that race? I mean, in my prime, I would just try and sit and kick. I mean, probably. I, I felt like at that point when I was at my best, 
I could out sprint most guys. I mean, I have that confidence at least, but in marathon shape right now, it'd be a different, <laughs> different approach for sure. But yeah, I, I think, and I think most people just tend to take that approach now, you know, I might try and take control with a couple laps left and just hold it back until I wanted to sprint with a couple hundred meters left. Yeah. Now, one last thing I want to go back to is just recently, I guess I went back, it might've been like the day after the marathon. I went back and I watched the driven series on you from, I guess it was 2014 or 2013. Uh, 2013. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess now that we're, I guess so many years or not, not so many, but a couple of years removed from it, what was the actual mileage like? Can you reveal that now, I guess? When I was running uh, the mileage during Driven, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I kept 180, 190 pretty consistently for mileage. Yeah, I mean, the highest I ever did was 191. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was pretty consistently over 180, I would say. I mean, besides the odd lower week. But, yeah, I, mean, I was putting in really, really <laughs> I was putting in a lot of mileage. I, I also think it led to some health problems for me. Uh, doing that much and so I wouldn't probably touch that quite again um but yeah it's just I was a very different athlete different person you know it's funny uh, looking back at things like that and being it's just immature in a lot of ways um but yeah I mean I ran I ran a ton <laughs> it's I think ultimately it could be a benefit down through the rest of my career having done that um but I think just physiologically I'm changed for it. Yeah. I mean, no. it, it was wild because in the middle of a run, you just stopped and you're like, oh, I got to eat something. You just grab like two applesauce things <laughs> and then just kept yeah. going. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm hopeful that is, uh, speaks for good things for my marathon career, being able to fuel well without having GI distress. But yeah. who knows? All who right. knows any of it? Let's uh, let's tap into some of these listener questions that were submitted on Instagram. Um, let me pull them up right now. Or actually, I guess like before I get to those, I guess like, well, how did you feel? I guess like in the last couple of years were just like a big question. And I guess like we'll get to it later on because I do ask every guest about Let's Run. But it's like the big question was, where is Cam Levins? How did you feel about that question? Like in the past, like couple of years, it wasn't a secret. You were just banged up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, I knew I was slowly getting better <laughs> from surgery. And I was just like, you know, I just need time to make it back. Like I just, I, I can't. I'm doing my best, but uh, you know, it just, it's also very easy to be like, I haven't seen him for a couple of years. Is he retired? what's going on. Like that's, those are fair questions. You know, those questions sometimes I've thought about other athletes as well. And I'm like, what has this person been doing for a bit? And I like trying to look up about him and uh, having difficulty finding information. And it's, it's a, really a fair question. And I think a different within the last couple of years, it could have went either way. You know, I, I think it's possible. I couldn't have made it back from the surgery. Um, and, reach an elite level again. Um, and obviously it's possible that I could, and I am making my way back, but it's, it's very reasonable. Lots of athletes don't make it back and that's, that's totally okay. It's really tough. And 
not everybody's body responds the same to those situations. Yeah, I, f- I find it really hard to like be a fan. Like if, if I was like a really diehard like Canadian distance running fan to just like live with the question of like, what if Cam Levins never ran a marathon? That that, that would have like just it would have been so rough. That's one of those big hypotheticals. <laughs> I mean, I probably would have still ran a marathon whether I was able to compete at elite level again or not. I'm sure I, I'd like to still be a runner my entire life, no matter what. And now I'm basically committed to being a runner my entire life now that I've had surgery because I got no cartilage left in this foot. And the only way to make so it's still moves all right and avoid arthritis is to keep using it basically. And so it's like now I, now I'm stuck, not doomed to be a runner forever. I'm, I guess I'm blessed to be a runner now for the rest of my life, but uh, yeah, that's that's the situation. <laughs> uh, so I guess dipping into one of the first questions, Drew Burns asked, when you were injured, what kind of work did you do in the pool? And uh, I guess like what was the plan for like a timeline, I guess, for coming back to running? Uh, so I had surgery at the end of July um, and I had a couple months, uh, I think, end of September, I was able to start walking again, uh, without, um, without crutches. I was still in my boot, I believe at that point for another couple of weeks. 2017. Uh, this is 2016. Oh, 16. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah sorry. Uh, so yeah, anyway, 2016. Um, so yeah, then I was able to start walking without crutches in my boot for a couple of weeks. Um, and I think at that point, I was maybe able to start swimming. Um, I wasn't able to do that initially because they didn't want my uh, stitching and to get infected, I guess. And so like, I just had to keep it dry as possible. Um, so yeah, there was just, I wasn't able to do anything at that point. Um, but once I got the stitches out and it's off crutches, I think I was able to start uh, swimming and then biking as well. Um, I got to where I was stationary biking quite a lot. Um, want to say uh, probably a few hours a day. Um, and then for swimming, I did a lot of aqua jogging predominantly um, just so I could have more of that motion of running. But uh, beginning of November, I was able to start actually running. <laughs> and uh, running was five minutes a day, uh, like a couple times a week. I was able to kind of do. I'm like, wow, this is this is where I'm at. Uh, <laughs> But, back to zero, yeah. <laughs> yeah, back to zero. And yeah, that, that's essentially how it felt coming back from surgery is just starting over again. Um, and because, yeah, I mean, my first workout, I was able to do my first one in December. Uh, and it was, I, I think I mentioned this before, uh, but it was a mile and a half um, at 520 to 530 pace. Uh, and I made it three quarters of a mile and I was already well off the pace, well, well off the pace, um, and just had to stop. (laughs) So that was, that was my first workout. That was super, super discouraging as you can imagine. Um, but I mean, now I can run a marathon much faster than that, uh, do 26.2 miles faster than that. So it's, it's crazy how things go, but it's just been a really slow, slow build. Definitely. Uh, Sam asks, what was the transition like, I guess, after leaving the Nike Oregon project? And just, I guess, finding the situation you find yourself in now. 
Um, I don't think it was a difficult transition moving back to um, the training I was doing beforehand. I would say what was hard about it uh, at the time was just that I was so injured as I moved away. Um, but I mean, the Oregon project helped a lot with that. I mean, uh, even when I wasn't sponsored by Nike, Alberto still coached me, uh, through the middle of 2017 until we felt I was in a decent spot to be able to move away. And so, I mean, I, I had lots of help, I, I guess I would say. And that's, that's sort of the big thing through these last couple of years that it would have been really difficult if I didn't have their people there supporting me, uh, whether in a coaching position or just like family and friends and my wife, you know, it's the transition was easy because I had a lot of people around me helping me, I guess I would say. Um, but from an actual physical training standpoint, it was kind of easy still to step back and start doing what I've done before. Mm -hmm. um, just being able to, the process of slowly building back up that mileage and getting back into the type of training I was able to do before. It's just, it just took time. You know, it was just, uh, my foot wasn't the same foot that I was working with beforehand. Um, there's just a lot of strength to rebuild and get used to handling again. Yeah. Gladwell had one more question where he asked, is it weird that you started marathoning after leaving Salazar, who presumably knows more about the marathon than anyone else? Well, um, in 2016, before I um, had surgery, we talked about debuting uh, in New York that year, actually. Um, and so we were kind of working that direction uh, before um, this stuff happened. But uh, yeah, and it is kind of weird to step into it, to have success with it and be like, this is not with, uh, like, the, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that just speaks right to it, that question, that it's, would it be different if I was with Alberto? Is it better being away from him with my coach? Like, am I having, will I have more success because of that? Would, it, would I be more successful as back with the Oregon Project? You know, those are just, they're unanswerable questions, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Ones that I, I'd love to tell you that I have the answer to, but um, it's it's really not something that I, I worry about. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm confident that I can uh, do the right training and take care of myself and be prepared. Uh, and I, I mean, I believe I can do it without the Oregon Project, but ultimately, who knows? Right. Uh, it's I, I'm yeah. I know I'm sort of stumbling over myself with this one, but it's, it's just a difficult question. It's one that I wish I could give a definitive answer to. Yeah. Gladwell comes in with the hard questions here. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're great. They're great questions. They truly are great questions. Uh, I wish I could give justice to them. Um, a much easier question here from Austin on Instagram asked, uh, it's like, why'd you wear the beanie for the marathon? It's like, it's like you have, I guess the, Everyone knows you, I guess, for the Afro, but then they ask, like, for superstitious reasons, will you continue to wear the beanie because of your recent breakthrough? So, I mean, like, I guess headwear for you has always been a thing. It's, it's either just, like, the, it's the Afro, shaving your head for, in hot conditions, and now the beanie. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was cold, man. I don't know. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> lots of runners were wearing the beanie. Um, 
I didn't really think anything was weird about it. Everybody else in the line seemed to have one for, for the most part. Yeah. Uh, I hope we got the good exposure. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I, I got a good simple on there the whole time. It's uh, it was good headwear and it just, it never got warm enough where I wanted to take the thing off. I mean, it started snowing on us at one point in the race. Uh, so and <laughs> at that point when it started snowing, my pacers were looking at each other, like, what did we just get ourselves into here? <laughs> um, so it's, I, I'm, I'm glad I kept on everything that I started with. That's for sure. Uh, it was not a warm day. Uh, Racing Danny asks, any plans on running again Canadian cross-country nationals in the coming years? Uh, I, I really wanted to do it this year, actually. Uh, we're, we've, I've talked to other guys about it um, earlier. It just This marathon's way too close to it. Uh, it's um, the weekend of American Thanksgiving is generally when it always is. And that's just feels much too close after this marathon. I mean, I'll be only running for a few weeks, you know, if I wanted to consider doing it. So I, I don't think it's happening this year. I I really would like to do it again at some point. It's just hasn't worked out for me to be able to do again. But I mean, I've got three titles. I'd love to add more to it and compete against uh, some of the guys that are doing it now, but it's just, it's not going to work this year, unfortunately. Uh, Luis asks, favorite Hoka trainer and racer and why? Um, I'm running in the Hoka Kavu right now, uh, which is a new one that came out this year. I was running in the Clifton beforehand um, and was a really big fan of that. Uh, I put on the shoe, um, I think, the first time, maybe end of November, December of last year. And uh, I was like... (laughs) Well, my initial reaction of pulling a shoe out of the box, I'm like, these look huge. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how is this going to feel? But I put it on and it did not feel like the size of the shoe I was putting on felt quite light. Um, but more than that, it just, man, it did not feel like my legs were getting beat up the way that it used to on easy runs. So it's just like, my legs feel great. And I just ran, you know, 30 miles. Like, wow. <laughs> um, but uh, then I moved to the Kavu um, and I can't speak to exactly why, but um, I've just fallen in love with them. I, I think maybe it has a bit of a wider toe box, which uh, for me, I've got sort of wider feet. So that's really comfortable for me. Um, I think part of it is maybe it's a bit more flat through the shoe instead of a lot of the hokas have sort of the rocking motion through them. Um, if, if you know what I mean by that. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think this one's a bit more flat through. And so it's kind of, in some regards, a little more similar to shoes I ran in beforehand, but just has like a softer, more comfortable feel to it. Um, so yeah, <laughs> anyway, it's, it's probably the, the most favorite shoe that I've ever worn at any point in my career, whether before Nike in college as well, these, man, these things are great. Um, but uh, for the race, I um, ran in a shoe called the Carbon Rocket, um, and that's coming out in spring of 2019. Um, and with a name like that, I assume it's kind of got a similarity to, yeah, yeah, exactly, the carbon plate through it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't I don't actually, uh, like, know the technology for certain. I just, I heard the name of it, and I just assume, like, <laughs> everyone's getting in the game <laughs> yeah yeah exactly right um 
but yeah, no, I mean, it. How soon, it, I guess, before the race did they like hand those shoes to you to, to give it, give a spin? Um, just in the last few weeks before the race, um, I started trying them out a bit and I, I had that in a different prototype, um, uh, called the Evo racer. And I hadn't really noticed much difference between them. Um, when I was training, so I, I talked to some of the, uh, uh, some of the Hoka representatives and they just told me like, Hey, we're, uh, the carbon rockets, like we're building that more for the marathon. Go ahead and use that basically. And I'm like, okay, like I have, like, I'm not, it makes no difference to me at this point. So, um, that's basically how I decided on them and they felt great. I didn't have any issues to the race. So cool. yeah, I'm a fan. Uh, Andrew Burr asks, I guess, what pace are your long runs typically at? Um, well, they started my first one, um, in my training cycle was, um, close to seven minute pace. Um, and I've been doing them about 24 miles is generally, uh, where I've been maxing them out at. Um, that being said, the seven minute pace was in over a 90 degree weather. So it was quite warm. Um, so they tended to speed up as the weather cooled down as well. And I just got more fit and I finished up, um, in the five twenties for my last couple ones. Uh, and then what I've been doing with them is running 20 miles. at sort of a steady state kind of whatever I start out at that feels pretty comfortable. And I think I'll be able to still kind of move along at that pace for the whole period of time. And the last four miles of it, I hammer in pretty quick. Um, and that's yeah that's there you go there's a full description of my long runs yeah. <laughs> not Did, too complicated you've never i guess like been one to like you've never actually like gone out to like kenya or anything like that to go train with and and just kind of like get that vibe out there has, has that ever like been of interest to you i guess to to go and see how they do it out there um i thought about it for sure um i'm i i think it would be an exciting thing to do my like only issues are I'm just such a homebody yeah. that I don't like I mean that's literally it I think it'd be awesome uh I, I mean I know a lot of athletes uh from the area that I have no doubt be easy to hook up with and like uh get set up over there for a large training stint but I just I, I like being home I, I uh you know if I leave for months I'm leaving my wife here here still working by herself and that's just I don't know. That doesn't particularly interest me. Uh, but I, I think, I think I'll probably do it at some point. So I'd love to have that experience, but I just. No rush. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't feel the need for the purposes of like making sure I'm in really good shape. I think I can do that regardless, but I don't know. That being said, I've never actually done it. So yeah, who knows? Uh, Billy asked, do you, do you see yourself going for a fast 10 K maybe Canadian national record on the track next season? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I haven't actually given too much thought to it. I, I think my next focus is a spring marathon and I will sort of reevaluate after that. There still will be lots of track season left after that point. If I, if I want to do that. Um, I, I definitely want to do um, some shorter races in my next buildup, at least on the road. Um, before this one, like all I really did was just the one half marathon in the Philadelphia. Um, 
And yeah, there's nothing really before that. I, I think for this next one, I, I'll, I'll hopefully be in better shape earlier in my build still too. And ultimately in better shape when I get to the marathon um, where I would like to get some more races in. But we'll see. We'll see how it all fits in. I don't think I would be surprised if I did any track between now and the next marathon with a lot of it being indoors as well. Um, I don't have a load of interest in that at this moment. But, you know, part of it is difficult. Um, I wasn't able to do a lot of track stuff initially with the surgery on my left ankle just didn't handle the corners as well anymore um it's gotten a lot better to where i think i could safely do it but indoor tracks are pretty tight corners tight yeah Yeah, it's just that's sort of a risk that i'll have to you know decide whether it's worth it or not to me um but right now i'm into the marathon i i think that's where i'm staying for a bit and uh if I can fit some track races in and get into that sort of shape, then I, I will look into it. So spring marathon, but then after that, like, I mean, obviously there's world majors and like fall marathons, but does the one in Dubai for world champs or yeah. And like, does, does that interest you at all? Cause it's going to be hot. It's going to be nitty gritty. And you just seem to like, you are an athlete who I feel like could just outlast a bunch of people. Yeah. Fest, yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I've, I have thought about it a bit for sure. Um, and I mean, a lot of it is also, I think it could be good prep for what Tokyo might be like. Um, that being said, I'm just going to get through this next marathon and then just decide what to do from there. I mean, I, I believe I'm qualified for worlds next year at this point. Um, so it, it's definitely an option. I just got plenty of time to decide. <laughs> Precisely it. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely given this some thought of whether I want to do that or just do a different fall one. It's, we'll see. You know, if I get into shape or a position where I think I could potentially medal at the world championships, like, it's something I got to consider. You know, a world championship medal in any event is something I would love to have. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's, I, I still have to get in much better shape than I was even for this marathon, I think, to, have a reasonable shot at that. Uh, but I, I think if that was the case, I would definitely consider it. Yeah. Yeah. So when you think of Tokyo, that's going to be a race where pretty much it seems like it's being uh, like planned out that Japan is going all in on, they're going to try and medal. And oh, yeah. it's like some of the, the, the number of guys that they have between like two, uh, 206 and like 210 is just unreal. What do you, I guess, like make of like that, level of competition that they've got going and they they seem to also be of the same i guess mold where it's like a lot of these guys are young and also run crazy mileage yeah um i i mean with seguru and the oregon project i think it was that was a conversation that was being made for a long time i think japan always had their eyes on him to be in 2020 running a good marathon and hopefully medal or i mean probably for Japan, they're thinking we want a guy to win. Like that's yeah. I mean, like, I don't think anyone goes in there with the thought otherwise, especially with the host country like that. Um, and I mean, their long-term plan for him is obviously working. The guy is killing it. Um, so yeah, I, I think Japan is a really um, good example to other countries that are like, this is what, this is what happens when we go all in in a sport, you know, like we want to be successful at this sport and we're going to put the time, the funding in and like our good athletes 
at junior levels are going to be supported all the way uh, through their careers, you know, and uh, a guy like Seguru is a really successful junior athlete, young athlete. And now as an older, well, I'm not older, but, you know, into mid later twenties, he is having a lot of success. And I mean, you're seeing it with a lot of Japanese athletes. So I can only assume, I mean, I, I saw it more personally with him, but I can only assume that they've done a similar thing with others too. All right. So final four questions I ask every guest. First one, what's the meanest thing you've read about yourself on let's run.com? The meanest thing, Uh, man, I don't know. There's been a lot of ethnicity stuff about me over the years. Uh, It's been pretty strange. Uh, I don't know why it's particularly important to anybody, but uh, that's it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. There's, there's my thing with let's run is there's people that are going to like you or going to hate you pretty much no matter what you do. And in both situations, whether you're running poorly or well, you can always take either side of it. You know, like if you, if you run really badly, there's always going to be a person that's like, no, I I believe in this guy still, you know, he, he's going to find his way out of this. Uh, and when you run really well, there's always going to be somebody that's like, well, you know, he still didn't run well enough. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, oh, he ran 202 for the marathon. The guy should be, you know, aiming for sub to do too. What is he doing? Like, why, why stay off the world record? You know, um, so it's just like you, you can have a positive thought on things kind of no matter what. And that's kind of your own personal decision to make. And um yeah, I mean, I, I think there's still a lot of positivity in those forums, but it's just so easy to focus on, uh, you know, negative stuff. Definitely. So, yeah. uh, so I guess, like, you did put out that tweet. How soon after did you check and see, like, oh, let's see what they're saying about this Canadian record? <laughs> yeah, well, when, uh, when Let's Run tweeted at me and gave me the okay, I was like, all right, I'll go check now, I guess. Um so yeah, it, it was fairly quick after I got that. I'm like, all right, yeah. I mean, they're saying it's safe. Let's have a look. Do you ever post? Do, no, I've never posted actually. <laughs> yeah, no. And actually, my my favorite threads in this stuff are like the random stuff, like uh, uh, rate these animals by like fighting ability. I like love that. Ugh, this is so fun. There, some of them are just so funny. This the non related the stuff not related to running is just hilarious to me. yeah all right second question i ask every guest um if you could go on a run anywhere in the world with anyone from history assuming they could be fictional if you want uh where would this run take place and who would it be with uh man that's a good question uh I guess maybe someone like Zadopec would be really cool. Um, and I mean, I don't think I'd really care where so, so much. I mean, I guess it'd be cool to maybe do somewhere like, uh, you know, Satan Reds has some really cool trails, but I've been there before as well. So yeah, you know, you know I, I think ultimately I would take a run with him anywhere, just pick his brain and just be interested to find out, you know, training's so different over the years. And I'd just be interested to find out what he did at that time 
oh, defined yeah. success. You know, I think it'd just be a, oh, and plus he just lived a very fascinating life. So yeah, I think a guy like that'd be super interesting. He's definitely one of those guys where it's like if you gave him this like current era's technology, how fast would he go? He's definitely one of those guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, the next question I ask every guest is, uh, what's the funniest or oddest drug testing story you have in terms of just like, you know, I couldn't go and like it took two hours or I had to sit with someone and just like watch Netflix for an hour or something like that. Do you have anything like that? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I've been pretty good. I mean, I would say after races is always the most difficult time to use the bathroom. And um, I mean, the longest one I've actually had to wait is after this marathon. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, like, oh gosh, yeah. Walking across the line, celebrating. And, you know, I know the drug testing is coming. <laughs> I, I could like see him already. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is the fun part. You know, I'm no doubt not hydrated very well after marathon, but um, surprisingly I went and got, um, finally was able to pee after drug testing for this marathon. And um, my, your like specific gravity has to be over a certain amount for it to be a viable test. Um, like it, it doesn't, your, your pee doesn't, can't be too clear essentially is what it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like it still needs to, yeah, it can't be mostly water. <laughs> um, and I, I only barely got over that amount after the marathon, which it was shocking. I, I didn't drink that much after the fact. And I still was like, Oh man, if I, if I have to go, my, my fear is having to reproduce another sample after that being like, Nope, that one's not viable. You had to sit here for another couple hours. And I, I'm so fortunate that's never happened to me, but that's, that's, that would just be horrifying. And it was already like at least a couple hours after the marathon when I produced this thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just surprised me that I could even be hydrated to a level after the marathon where that was a risk. Yeah. That's hilarious. It's just like, Oh yeah. You know, I can see my family. I can see my coach. And oh, there they are. There's the drug testers. Yeah, there they are. He's like, I'm your chaperone. <laughs> Great. Um, final question has nothing to do with running. Uh, you get 25 shots from half court of a basketball court. You make one, you win $25 million. You don't make any. You go to jail for 25 years. Would you attempt What's the shots? A, no, I wouldn't attempt it. 20, I, don't, I don't think I can pull one of those off. That's also my... Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I wish, I wish I could do that. That'd be nice, but no, I don't don't trust myself. That's the right answer. Like there's (laughs) some athletes are just way too overconfident, I think in just their basketball ability. Um, but I mean, 25 is a lot of shots, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's nice, but I, I'm, do you have any basketball experience? Yeah. I I played basketball lots actually. Um, you can obviously dunk, I feel like, cause you've, cause your height. (laughs) No, I I can't dunk. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't have that. Well, I guess the difficulty is if I'm ever in like shape to be able to do that, like I'm like, legs are always so worn out that I can't jump very well. If I guess if I tried to, yeah, I bet if I had some time off and tried doing it, I could dunk. But most of the time, like I've, I've only ever been a runner basically my entire life. And so it's like, I, I don't got, I don't got the uh, energy in me to try and make that jump. Yeah, so give yourself a couple more days. Then once you start running, there's no race on the calendar just yet. Right. Give it a try and let me know how it goes. Gosh, yeah, I'll give you the update. That's All right. funny. All right, Cam, uh, thanks a lot for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. And I guess we'll look out for you uh, during a spring marathon, unless you have something else coming up, I guess, in the wintertime. 
nothing planned yet, but uh, we'll see. That I mean, I'm I'm gonna be racing between now and that spring marathon, but cool. I just you know, I, mean, I haven't even started training yet, so it's hard to hard to even think about when I'm racing. Yeah, well, it's good to see you back. Thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's good to be back. Many thanks to Cam for taking the time to do that interview. I walked away from that conversation pretty hype that someone who was a legend around that 2012-2013 era is back and at the top level of the sport. I mean, when I mentioned that flow track documentary called Driven with Cam Levins, he was the first athlete that they focused on. His, We were hearing these stories about how he ran this crazy high mileage, you know, 180s, 190s, and... The reason that documentary was made was because like, you kind of had to see for yourself if it was true, and it was. So uh, he kind of had a little bit of a cult following after that, and I was definitely a fan of his, and it's just really good to see him back. So uh, thanks to Cam for doing uh, that interview, and I think that does it for this week's episode of the Cities Mac Podcast. A reminder, we were brought to you by Kudos. Uh, check, hit the link in the show description or anywhere on SidiousMag.com to check out their new coasters. The Kudos Coaster Plus is now available, so place your orders now to show off your memories in a unique and classy way. And, you know, have a drink on us on Sidious Mag, you know, uh, so it'll be good. You can also drink out of your Legs Are Feeling Good mugs and put it on the coaster. I think that's a great idea. So it's marathon week in New York City. I'm going to be wandering around with my podcasting equipment. And if I see someone really interesting, you know, I'll sit them down for an interview. I think John Anderson from SportsCenter said we can probably sit down and talk. So we'll talk a little bit about sports media and just kind of how track is covered on TV. Hopefully that interview can happen he's a busy guy around this time but we talked about it float around the idea and i've already started working on lining up some guests for next week so stay tuned for all of that a reminder subscribe on itunes leave a five-star review i really appreciate it it helps us improve our place among the podcast standings and the rankings and helps discover the it helps the show's discoverability so um Many thanks to anyone who's already done so. But I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running. And never forget that the legs are feeling good.